Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Back from Fred again, first time touch, trying to find Lukaku, it's broken his way and Lukaku's bent it into the bottom corner for what may well prove to be the winning goal. Zinchenko, 1-2 with uh, David Silva, tries to give it back to the Spaniard, he takes it down on his chest, stab forward here to Bernardo Silva, laid off to Mahrez! Riyad Mahrez fires Manchester City in front. And that's the final whistle. It's finished Everton nil, Liverpool nil. A better second half, no question about it. But the Everton supporters and the Everton players will take more from this because they've stopped Liverpool from going back to the top of the Premier League. As Aubameyang steps up, it's saved! But the follow-up is knocked over the bar. Incredible Aubameyang blocked on the line. It's the Premier League preview show for week 30 of the 18-19 season. Like an embarrassed middle-aged man given the Heimlich in a restaurant, Liverpool are denying they've choked. The league title has gone down the wrong hole, they say. Another weekend, another pair of points drop for the once seven clear Reds. It's Manchester City who topped the table with the same amount of games played. You're right. Sorry, Were you choking there? I was. Are you choking? I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. <coughs> okay. Can I have a glass of water? Cries Paul Mortimer. Anyway, big games for both this weekend and an almighty Champions League tussle to talk about too. As the league's best winning home run takes on the league's form team overall, Arsenal welcome Manchester United to Emirates Stadium. That's just two of plenty of stories to get through. Hopefully, Paul's going to survive the show. I'm Tom Rennie, and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Let's say hello to our panel. Let's start with TalkSports football editor, your pal and mine, denim-shirted, handsome man he is, David Walker. How are you, pal? I'm very well after that intro. Yeah, well, I like to compliment you. You're nicer than you normally are to me. No, I know. Every now and then, I like to to knock you down, then bring you back up again. I'm like the British press to your royal family. Uh, Also with us on the programme today, uh, the former Arsenal winger and top soccer journalist, Adrian Clark is here. How are you? Soccer. I like it. Uh, Well, we've got a lot of American fans, you know. I'm bringing soccer back, association football. If it's all right for Bobby Charlton, it's all right for me. Fair enough. Can I just say that David Walker, handsome David Walker, reminds me a little bit of Patrick Bamford. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that, absolutely. It's been said before, actually. Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely see it. But with his hair currently, he looks a little bit like uh, more of a right-wing Patrick Bamford. I like it a lot. The resemblance finishes when I cross the white line on the football (laughs) pitch, I have to say. (laughs) Uh, Also with us to round out the group this week, the housewives' favourite. Set your vacuums to stun. It's the former Charlton and Crystal Palace winger, Paul Mortimer. You okay, Paul? I'm fine. I've got a little frog in my throat. A little something there. Yeah, a little little tickle. Were you surprised? 
eyes, my opener was so funny. Is that what it was? Uh, no. <laughs> You're used to years of dry, terrible openers. When you laughed at it, you were stunned by it. Is that what it was? It's okay to admit. No, I no, was I'm funny just saying once. that silence gives you my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Insert tumbleweed. Your previous cough betrays you. Okay. Um, one quick line for those listening on a radio station. You can download an extended podcast of this programme. It's available on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, all good podcast providers. Right. Let's get into our first match of the weekend. Arsenal against Manchester United, 4.30 UK time on Sunday. A couple of stats for this one. Uh, Arsenal have won their last eight Premier League home games. They last won nine in a row within the same season uh, in 14-15 for Manchester United. United, they are on the current longest unbeaten run in the Premier League. 12 games, 10 wins, 2 draws in that time. We are recording this programme before the games against Rennes and Paris Saint-Germain. Such are the constraints of recording this show. Uh, right, let's start with last weekend, shall we, in the North London derby. Adrian, let's come to you on this. Of course, you were covering the game uh, for our international team. Arsenal again saved their best performance of the season for a game against Tottenham Hotspur with a win this weekend. They go into the top four. They do, yeah. And I think if they perform as well as they did uh, against Spurs at Wembley, they'll be fine, actually. Manchester United are quite depleted, aren't they? The big difference in the North London derby was the the organisation, the resilience, the work rate. There was clearly a game plan from Emery and the players delivered it, apart from Mustafi, who often (laughs) is the one that makes that that mistake that kind of ruins it for, for everybody else. So... So personally, I would hope that that he sits this one out. But the Kashiani Socrates axis, I think, is one that's starting to make Arsenal fans feel a little bit better. I still think moving forwards they can improve it, but those two guys are in, in good form, and I think they have to be, won't they, against Lukaku, who is probably the Premier League's most informed hit man at the minute. Can I ask you about Mustafi at right back? Some may not have seen the last couple of games and he's played there. Mm. What's the thinking behind it and do you expect to see it this weekend? Uh, well, I hope not to see it. Um, I'm just not a fan of him in any of the positions in the rear guard, really. I just, he makes too many mistakes. Bayerin is out. Licksteiner is half fit. Uh, it, to be honest, the last time I saw him play, he played pretty well. So I don't see if he's available. He should probably play, in my opinion. And Jenkinson came in, I think, for the Bournemouth game that I was at, and he was excellent. He was outstanding. But does Unai Emery trust him against one of the big boys? Maybe not. So so it's it's Licksteiner, Jenkinson or Mustafi, which isn't maybe Maitland-Niles. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a great quartet to, to pick from at the moment. Personally, I'd go with Licksteiner. Paul, can I ask you about what's changed with Arsenal in, in recent weeks? Because for looking from outside, as we do, of course, Adrian's there a lot, former Arsenal man as well. Yeah. They look way off the pace, way out the race. And, and now this weekend, they can go back into the top four, into fourth. And they're winning games with real style as well. There's five here, there's four there. They're winning games away from home. Yeah, it was Huddersfield, but they are winning games away from home. What has changed? I, I actually think possibly like it was at the start of the season when they started on this run expectation was low and I think they've come to a point where expectation after the 22 game unbeaten run they hit a slump expectation went back down because you're almost saying that's sort of where they were that was their level and so expectation was low all of a sudden you know they've 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 stiffened up. They used to have a soft centre. I mean, I, I look at Mustafi, and I, I think if you if you take his shirt off, there's a stamp on the back of him, guarantees goals. And then terms and conditions are, but not sure which net they're going to go in Be- because he does he does guarantee you goals. Um, 
But what they've got, they turn up for these the, the big some of the bigger games. Uh, uh, in the last, in the corresponding fixture mm. against Spurs, they were strong, they were committed, they were pragmatic, they stuck their foot in, they scored goals, and they should have won that one the other day. They, they, they really should have. Um, the problem you have with Arsenal at the moment is you have no clue what performance is going to turn up next. Mm. And, and that's, that's where they are. And you also have no clue which formation... Unai Emery will pick which starting eleven he will he will go with it. He just changed from one game to the next. It's kind of working. Arsenal are right up there in the form table over the last ten games. They're they're right in the mix, but there is no continuity. All I say about the big games, you're you're absolutely right. But Manchester United did a job on Arsenal, if you remember, in the FA Cup. Big time. Yeah. Um, that was that was a very impressive. Arsenal weren't good enough that day. No, they I've weren't. got to say they they worked them out. I mean, as you you alluded to the, the different formations. Sometimes for players that can be somewhat confusing because what messages it send them about what he thinks about them and their ability to understand yeah. and implement the 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 system that that, that he's put in place. Big mm. difference for this game compared to the FA Cup game, however, is Manchester United have got a lot of injuries mm. to key players players who played well that night and scored mm. that night and they've got a big game as we record this tonight on Wednesday against PSG and they go into PSG 2-0 down with, with, with half a team as it is so I mean, God knows what sort of team they're going to be able to put out against Arsenal at the weekend but that, that gives Arsenal hope compared to that last game for sure yeah I think the central midfield positions are the ones where Man United are a bit weak at the moment if they have to go into it with McTominay Pereira and Fred, for example, we think Matic will come back. But we don't know if it's that three. I think Arsenal can dominate the engine room in a way they wouldn't. Obviously, you've got Pogba, sorry, that would 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 clearly play in mm. one of those positions. But I, th- I still think that Arsenal could could get the upper hand inside the, inside the middle third. So, yeah, I, I would say that Arsenal should be more optimistic given the United have got the injuries. But Lukaku, I go back to him. He's on fire at the moment. I mean, four in two. But I was I was doing I did a piece on him for the Premier League this week, and looking at the stats, he, his chance conversion numbers are, are, are through the roof, really. Are they? Um, yeah, I'm, he, I'm so surprised by that from, from that sort of little spell he had out. The I, team, I think, think I think there are two reasons behind it. I think one, well, he said three of the goals that he scored in the week would been his right foot. Which is just unheard of, really. What is the conversion rate? Can I ask? Do you, do you remember what it is? Yeah, it's thirty-two percent um, under under Ollie. It's a little bit higher than that. Uh, under Jose, it was twenty something percent. Right. He's the second most clinical striker for Man United statistically. That's such a funny Rashford. point because yeah. Paul always says this to me that what you see with your eyes and what come out in the stats are not mm. always the same thing. Mm. I watched a game mm. last week against mm. Southampton. He did score two. Mm. But he could have scored eight. Yeah. In the first half, there was a set of him a couple of yards out with his head. He fell over in the penalty Mm. area. It's funny, isn't it, the way the stats kind of tell a different story I think, yeah, yeah, they do. But I think the thing about Lukaku, how I think Solskjaer's done a fantastic job is Rashford's been the guy. But Rashford will score, he'll come off, Lukaku comes on. So throughout it, Lukaku, it doesn't look like... I mean, I thought Lukaku would be in a bit of trouble. But as it's gone Mm. on... Uh, Solskjaer's given him 20 minutes half an hour there so he's literally sort of said to him mentally you are still involved knowing full well at some point he was going to ask him to step up and here it is yeah well the competition for his place was never there under Jose I think he got too casual now he suddenly got stiff competition so I think that sharpened him up and, and I also think that Solskjaer's influence on the training ground might have helped improve him I mean three goals for his right foot three really good goals I would imagine he's worked on it uh, some of the injuries you mentioned for Man U. So we've got uh, Valencia's out, Darmian's out, Martial, Matic, Jones, Herrera, Mata, Lingard. Long old list of players. 
One man I've not mentioned there, Alexis Sanchez, who's going to miss the next six to eight weeks with injury. It's most of the season. Most of the season, if not his last ever games for Manchester United. Adrian, are you happy we're not going to have the Alexis Sanchez sideshow <laughs> for this game? And also, has he played his last game for Man U? Oh, I don't know if he's played his last game or not. It's probably a bit premature. It depends... I mean, he's, he's got the odd tune out of him. He was really good in that game, wasn't he? Well, in the FA Cup, he, he scored was. a great and, goal. And I, I, I wouldn't think, write I him think, off. I think the Emirates crowd that night, they were booing him every time he got mm. the ball. And I mm. think, you know, that probably spurred him on to deliver a performance yeah. that he hasn't done really in the Manchester United. Yeah, set, I mean, how, who do they offload him to? Who, who's yeah, going to take his wages? Question. He, he has a, I think he's struggling. I don't think he'll play anymore. I think the problem that you have with Alexis Sanchez, and you saw it when he was with Chile and for a couple of years with Arsenal, he has to be the man. He has to be the top man. And at, and at Manchester United, he isn't. Yep. The problem that they have at United is almost like a version of Supermarket Sweep where they just bought... <laughs> they just bought... you got two minutes to buy as many as you can. They bought him and then went, right, where do we put him now? He has never fitted into the way Manchester United play. They play with pace. He slows the game down because he wants to do what he wants to do. So I really don't think... I really don't think he'll play for United again. I really don't. He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit. What about what about the Arsenal strikers though this yeah. weekend? Lacazette started mm. last week. Aubameyang came on just after half time. What do we think we'll see lining I, up this week? I think only one of them from the start. It's just not really clicked with the two up top yet. I hope and pray that they can work something out so you can get these two guys on the pitch mm. together combining. But for now, I think that's too much of a work in progress. Who will get the nod? Maybe Aubameyang will get the nod here. I think Lacazette's having an outstanding season. And he's a better all-round player than than Aubameyang. But that pace in behind Smalling and Lindelof, I think he will be uh, seduced by that Emery in the build-up and he'll go with him. If Arsenal don't make the Champions League for next season, Mm. can they afford to keep both Lacazette and Aubameyang (laughs) unhappy, one on the bench? It's a good question. They don't look unhappy. They're earning a packet, aren't they? Mm. And they're good pals and they're playing for the biggest and best club in London, so I, I don't see They've why... they signed for Spurs already. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Do you know what? I, I, think, I think, you know, they've done really well. be interesting if someone has a nibble at them in the summer yeah. to, to see, because I, I do, I look at them both, and 20 years ago, when everyone played 4-4-2, mm. they'd have been fine. Mm. At the moment, because people only play one up front... Mm. You'd play Lacazette because his he's all-round play is better, but Aubameyang scores the goals, mm. Let's be apart from that terrible penalty the other day. Mm. It, you can't... Did it, Vertonghen take that? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. It was close <laughs> enough. You can't play two up front in the current climate because no one does. They all play one up front and they crowd the midfield. Aubameyang, who has been playing sort of wide-ish, mm. doesn't run back. So, so the way Arsenal play in pressing the ball and all that business, he can't play in that. I don't think he can. So against the easier teams, a, he can. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, not the, Manchester United. Exactly, the bigger games he can't. So they're going to have a decision to make because both of them should be playing. Yeah. But because they're not, at mm. some point, one of them is going to say, "I'm not quite happy." Age is a factor. They're, they're, they're not the youngest strikers, so so possible suitors might they might not be queuing up as as much as you would imagine given the fact that they they wouldn't have any sell on but but is no it'd be interesting aid you're giving us here <laughs> sorry this is personal experience <laughs> i'm, not, you know, I'm not sure about that <laughs> like a dating video i'm not sure about that just simply because <laughs> if they score loads of goals yeah there are desperate teams out there who will pay someone because they just, I mean, it's finding someone who can score goals is a difficult thing at the moment. Clubs across across yeah. Europe are looking for them. Short term, I could see it. 
Lads, we've got to move on. Should mention that Lucas Torreira won't play in this game. Arsenal did appeal. He's sending off last week. That appeal was rejected, so he's going to miss the next three games. Um, who makes top four? The winner of this game, do we think? If, if Arsenal win it, they make four. If United no, win, no, you no, 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 no. You, no. You, you can't keep saying this thing. It's, there's loads of games left. I can. You don't get the top four place after you win one game with no, eight games I can, left. I can throw the they question could lose to the see next what people week. say. They could lose next they could week. Do. They, could, they could lose on the last day. They of the absolutely season. could do. But if you're in the position of fourth, you're obviously the favourite fourth. Big psychological advantage, but it's yeah. not so over. it is a worthwhile question. It's not over. It's not over. <laughs> so it's not over. So is it worthwhile or not? You, you can decide. I think it go. I think it go to the last weekend or the weekend before. It'd be that tight. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Do you know what? I actually think Man United are the team in the ascendancy at the moment. You can't say that, mate, because there's too many games left. We've got to move on. Uh, Liverpool against Burnley is the next... Don't blame me, it's his rules. No problem. Uh, OK, fine. I've got nothing to say. Liverpool-Burnley is up next. Stay with us. On to Liverpool against Burnley. Sunday at 12 o'clock UK time. This one gets underway. Uh, Liverpool unbeaten in their last 35 Premier League home games. There's only ever been three longer such runs in the history of the competition. That's how good they have been at Anfield in the last year and a half. Uh, They have failed to win five of their last nine Premier League games home and away. Four draws and one defeat in that time. They take on a Burnley side who have lost one of their last five away from home. That was against Newcastle United last time out. Uh, Paul Waterman, let's come to you first on this. Uh, I keep reading and hearing that Liverpool haven't blown it at the top of the table. They're second uh, at the moment to Manchester City. I keep reading that it's because nobody could compete against the might of Manchester City. But I told you there about the recent run. The draw against West Ham, the draw against Man U, the draw against Everton, the draw against Leicester. They have choked, haven't they? They have blown it. Well, first of all, their plight's got nothing to do with Man City. (laughs) Absolutely nothing to do with it. December, they're 10 points ahead. Up to six weeks ago, they're seven points ahead. Okay, I'm trying to think if they played Man City in that time. May may have. They yeah, they had the Man City have. game that would have put them ten. Exactly. And it, it was right. January, seventh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, since then, nothing to do with Man City. This is about them not taking their chances because in every game they've still created chances. But the problem that you're having now is whereas Salah's getting it out of his feet and putting it in the top corner, he's hitting the keeper or he's hitting hitting the post and it, and, and it hits the post and, and bounces in last year. He's hitting the post and bouncing the other way this year. They're not taking their chances. It's as simple as that. They've only conceded 15 goals. So defensively, they're magnificent. What happens now, what's going to be crucial now is the behaviour of the manager. If he starts to act a certain way, uh, that's almost admitting they've blown it. I saw the papers earlier on today. They had Klopp's face superimposed on Keegan when he was doing that <laughs> I love it moment because that is apt. Yeah. It's now, if he behaves properly and, and he's cool and calm, that's what transmits to the players. If he loses it, that's what's transmitted to the players. So it's important that he now holds his nerve. If it is a windy day... <laughs> then maybe Burnley are the worst team you want to play if it's windy on Merseyside once again. What did you make to that? It's windy at Goodison. Not That's first, why we struggled. Not the first time he said that. He, he said that on, on more than one occasion. He, he's complained about. Wasn't one the pitch was about, too he's dry? About, no, specifically windy. He's complained oh, about wind mm. before. Yeah, well, yeah. windy. I don't know whether it was the same for Paul, but that wind was my least favourite condition to play in. Yeah, it's it, it, it does make it a bit of a leveller. Um, but no, you, it does. It does. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't believe they're saying it. It, it really does. Well, it was very breezy today, so we lost 2 0. Yeah, you can't use it as a, as a it, sole excuse. It was of really course, windy. you can't. I, nearly got, I, got, I was coming out of Stratford Station the other day and then I literally got blown across the see, road. See, it's, Aid, it's a difference between Storm those that have played and those that haven't. Because actually, <laughs> the wind does make a difference. It really does. But 
Salah's clean through. The wind didn't mm. stop him from missing the chances. Great point. So no. it's about, in these kind of games, when they haven't played well, they've not been as expansive as last season, you have to take your chances. They haven't taken their chances, and mm. that's what's costing no, them. I, I agree with Paul on, on both scores there, with, with the chance conversion, and, and with Klopp, actually. I do think he looks a bit on edge. I do think he's slightly flustered. And Pep, on the other hand, is is kind of quiet and cool, and he, he seems like he's got really got the bit between his teeth. So, so yeah, in terms of the manager performance levels, Pep is, on, is in good shape at the moment, and I don't think Klopp is. I thought that was a bit of a strange one, bringing in Origi. Mm. I thought that was, that was clutching. It worked against touch. Watford, didn't it? He it, played well it, in that game. He did. I just, I just think yeah, he's underused Shakiri a little bit of late, maybe overplayed Firmino when he wasn't fully fit. I just think some of his midfield configurations have been a bit stodgy. He's, you know, he probably needs a bit more creativity there. So, so look, he's, he's tried to be a bit clever lately and it's kind of backfired mm. Klopp. And, uh, yeah, I agree with Paul. I think, I think he's a little bit rocked. The midfield thing is interesting, isn't it? Because we had the long tease into Navi Keita coming to the Premier mm. League and not, not really done a great deal, has he? Can we call him a bit of a flop in midfield now? Navi Definitely. And given how good he was in the Bundesliga, I think he's done very little. He's hardly scored a goal. He's not creating chances. You look at that midfield three... Who is who's going to break the lines and do something? Either yeah. get into the box and score, or slip those magic passes that Coutinho used to do all the time. Especially or if you drop the magic to, word to Manchester City. Yeah, you know, they don't have a De Bruyne. They don't yeah. have Bernardo or David Silva. Yeah. You know, it is a bit one-dimensional, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Really, they have, they have no options. Very reliant yeah. on the wingers, on the fullbacks, full rather backs. With, with Arnold and Robertson, who are fantastic. Probably the best in the division at what they do. Yeah, those midfield three are, are workmanlike, but not a lot more. Soldiers. Yeah. That's what they are. They're soldiers. And they are reliant on the front three. And the problem you have is because they've played the front three so often, mm. those in reserve, Sturridge doesn't get a kick. Mm. Origi doesn't get a kick so yeah. when they're, they're set up to fail mm. those they can't be match sharp yeah. they cannot be up to up to uh, the pace so then what happens is you're struggling you turn to them who you've blanked all season and now say <laughs> come on I trust you come and win the game for me you've got 20 minutes by the way <laughs> it, it's a very very difficult thing to do so you know, it, I just think he's struggling because of the lack of options. Uh, interesting, Adrian, to say the magic word there. Philippe Coutinho, we've not really heard that a lot from, from Liverpool in the last, what, year or so since he <laughs> left. And then last weekend, it was a hot topic of conversation. Uh, do they need someone like that moving forward? Uh, it's Burnley this weekend to move forward. Sunday, 12 o'clock, it gets underway UK time. For Burnley, a wonderful run of form before Newcastle last week. Two straight defeats. It's been interesting to watch them. They've gone old school. They have been bombing it up to the strikers. Um, and last week against Crystal Palace, they tried to do it against James Tompkins and Scott Dan. It ain't going to work. Against Virgil van Dijk, it ain't going to work. Um, but they're going to try it, aren't they, against Liverpool? Well, I mean, Burnley, in, this, in the recent upturn, have gone back to, 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 to what they did best. And it's worked. Um, they've struggled all season because of the Europa League and having to change the way they've played. They've, I think they went for a spell of trying to change the way they played. It hasn't worked. They've gone back to what they, 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 they do well. A true, and there's some sometimes where they've shown a soft centre, which was weird. I think they're going to give Liverpool a hell of a game. Do you? I, I really do. I think it's going to be difficult. I, I really don't think it's going to be easy for Liverpool because the front three are not firing. They're, they're not. Let's just be truthfully honest. They're not firing. Um, and like you said, the midfield, because it's so workmanlike, their midfield against Burnley is going to be much of a muchness because there's no real genuine quality in either of them, but they will compete. So, uh, you know, it's going to be about 
chances. Mm. It's going to be about... And Burnley will just lump the ball up the pitch and play knockdown football, which is going to be might be difficult for Liverpool if it's windy. <laughs> Everyone <laughs>, laughs about it, but I'm telling you now, Aid, yeah. when you played against a team who launched it in the wind... It was horrible. It really was. Yeah, but if you got Virgil van Dijk, you'd probably be okay, wouldn't you? You'd be fine. Yeah, I, I think defensively they're magnificent. Yeah. I think the problem that they're going to have, Liverpool, is is scoring. Yeah. I, I really do. I th- I'd be a bit more concerned mm. with Liverpool if this was at Turf Moor. Yeah. And I think of, yeah. the, of the front three, Sadio Mane is the one that's still in, in the best mm. form. He's, he's scored six in his last five home Premier League games, so mm. you'd be looking to him to replicate that. But also with Burnley... It's made for Crouchy, isn't it? Off the bench <laughs> to come on at the end and spoil the party. Oh, that would be a story. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to try and keep the game tight. Point. And yeah. if they can do that, mm. if they can go in at nil-nil at half-time, the thing is different. Yeah, they scored twice at Old Trafford, didn't they? They they, they got into Manchester United's faces and upset them. They've had a lot of no-shows away from home. Mm. That's eight games on the road without scoring. So, yeah, I, I would fancy Liverpool, but I don't think it'll be uh, a thrashing. No. Listen, let's move on. Manchester City up against Watford. Saturday, 5.30 UK time. Uh, Man City. Uh, it usually is. Uh, Man City have won nine of their last ten Premier League games. Uh, the longest current winning run in the competition of five. 42 of 45 available points won at the Etihad this season, just a loss against Crystal Palace. But Watford find themselves in good form again. There have been some peaks and troughs of their season. Uh, they're in a peak right now, won three of their last four Premier League games, as many as their previous 15 combined. And that fourth one that they didn't win was obviously Liverpool. They got beat 5-0 at Anfield. And Standard uh, practice, really, though, well, to be it, fair. It is against Liverpool. Manchester City have hammered Watford a few times the last few seasons, but there's also been a few close games as well. And I wonder whether, if, if, you're, if you're a Watford supporter and you're looking for any hope, whether that Liverpool thrashing coming so recently might play a part that the players might want to go out and say, look, mm. we got done big time against a big team the other few, few weeks ago. Now, let's really try and, you know, Keep it tight. Do you like think they'll Bournemouth set up differently? Last, like Bournemouth did last week. You know, let's not get embarrassed here. So it could be a more difficult game for Manchester City than it might have been if we hadn't had that recent. Defeat. How do they make it more difficult than they did for Liverpool? What would they change? Well, I, but the thing is, I think on that night, I don't think Watford were that bad. Liverpool were exceptional. The balls from Alexander Arnold were unbelievable. Salah was, was superb. He was twisting and turning Adam Messina all all evening. Uh, Van Dijk was coming up and heading them in. Mane was on form. So I think if Man City's players have a, mm. have a great day, they can do it to anyone. Mm. I think they've got to have a bit more of the ball. I think that that might be the key. Obviously, we know about Dakura and Kapu. They they're the the, the bedrock of the side, mm. aren't they? When they turn over the ball, and they're brilliant at turning over the ball and screening the back four, particularly Kapu. Then I think they've got to try their best to just stay calm and keep the ball and just to ease the pressure what what a lot of Man City's opponents do is they, they sort of give up the ghost a little bit like mm. Bournemouth did and I, I think you're just asking for trouble well, when that you happens you say that I think but we'll have a shot at least well, look at those two <laughs> games so Bournemouth had what 17% of the ball and no shots mm. but it did take no shots kind of have you, have you two mm. ever played a game of football mm. in your lives where your team didn't have a single no. shot only in the wind mm. <laughs> am I right it's hard to believe isn't it yeah I, mm. I, I, yeah, I was, I was talking <laughs> about this last weekend I, I just if you're a Bournemouth fan that's paid 30, 40 quid for a ticket you're fuming aren't you I, I don't care if it's 1-0 or 4-0 or 7-0 they lost well they nearly they got didn't something have a though, didn't yeah, they I didn't care I paid I paid 35, 40 quid for a ticket and I didn't see my team try and score a goal rubbish I think the problem that you have also you look at Bournemouth they did really well but it was always going to end in disaster because the type of players instinctively that Bournemouth are is their offensive attacking players now if you're going to ask someone like that to defend there's going to come a point where they lose concentration there's going to come a point where they're going to fly forward Mm. because 
that is their instinct. Um, Watford surprised me because I I actually thought they'd go to Liverpool, and, and I, I know the current form, uh, the, the the previous form, but the way Watford were playing recently, mm. they're a, they're a better side than people give them credit for. I actually think if they'd believed in themselves, they could have really push for seventh I, I think there was a because I think they're that good well they could still do it couldn't they but they usually have that yeah. last 10 games tail off it surprised we will see if me it, comes. it surprised me that they went up there and got beat five because yeah. nothing in their previous form informed me that they were going to take a battery yeah I, I think they're capable of scoring goals at the Etihad if they have if they play well enough I like they're, they're narrow four in midfield and if what they've got mm. to do they've got to be a bit brave but drop off as soon as it comes into the middle boom get on them win the ball and from there then it's all about spinning De La Feo into, into those side channels a bit like he did at, at Cardiff, Cardiff wasn't yeah. it recently that's how I think they can hurt City whether they'll, ha- whether they'll have enough quality or not we'll have to wait and see I think it's really interesting this game because we've seen West Ham and Bournemouth go ultra defensive and they very nearly got something West Ham couldn't take their chance and Bournemouth mm. didn't create one if Watford went the same way but I think they've got the players to take that chance it could be interesting to see what City mm. do as they have struggled against that ultra mega defensive style City are fine because over the time that Pep's been there they'll have come across this so many times so mm. they will be patient in fact they'll know that's coming so that's not going to be a problem for them I think it's going to be about Watford uh, Pereira De La Feo Decore Capui and Dini up front are hugely important mm. if they can get the ball into Dini's feet if they can set it back and get De La Feo in, if Pereira can link well between the midfield and, and Dini up front, that will give them chances because Man City do give you time and space to play if you're courageous. If you have the courage to go and put your foot on the ball, they will give you time to play. A quick line for Riyad Mahrez, who is likely to play in this game with Kevin De Bruyne injured once again. Uh, scored last week. He hasn't necessarily had a wonderful season at Manchester City. What do you make of his role in the coming weeks? Yeah, it's going to be important. May I just say, the game that he he, he came on and won in, the Leroy Sane stayed on the bench and didn't come on. Mm. That That's the embarrassment of riches that they have. So if we you know we put it in those terms, and he cost 60 million, Mares. It's going to be about him taking his chances when they come along. Um, and he took it, and he's, he's going to go into this game now. What they've done with this, this group of players is they've made the, that first 11 shirt so important that no one's going to be going to be injured. I'm telling you, they're all going to be fit and raring to go because they know there are big games coming and they want to play in them all. So he will take his chance. He'll be champing at the bit to take his chance. I think as well, if you look at someone like Mares, mm. you can compare him to a lot of other players who, who have worked under Pep. And often their first season, it takes them a little while to sort of get used to the way Pep wants you to play because mm. what he wants you to do is so specific, so different to probably what he experienced before. Sane's, you know, his second season was so much better than his first. You know, I'd see Mares, it wouldn't surprise me if next season... He really is worth that sixty million. Yeah, no, I agree. He's, he's a complex coach, isn't he, mm. Pep Guardiola? I think it'd take all of us quite a while to just digest the new information. He's a bit different, um, so no, I think that's a really valid point. And on, when he has played, I think he's done okay. Actually, he's contributed mm. goals and assists. So I don't think Riyad Mahrez has been a flop by any stretch no, no. of the imagination. I, I think he's been brilliant. Yeah. I think the thing about about mm, about it's a bit of a stretch. No, well, right? no, I th- no, I think he's been fine. The thing about about uh, uh, Guardiola is if you saw that documentary. It's the intensity mm-hmm. at which he works, the, the the amount of information. You know, age yourself. Mm-hmm. When a manager is giving you so much information so intensively, I didn't want any. It, yeah, don't, it's really difficult. It's difficult, though, isn't it? I mean, I saw him on the TV at halftime. He went in with the players, and he was talking so quickly. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow. 
I don't think I'd have been able to understand half of that. But yet he'll turn to me and go, you got it? I'm definitely going, yeah, got it, Gaffer, got it. So it's the intensity that, that gets players sometimes. We've got to move on, but I really hope Andre Gray scores again this week. Great redemption for him last week. And it's always great to see those tattoos. Incredible, aren't they? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing array of tattoos that he's got. And a great goal last week. Some redemption for someone, maybe a bit like Riyad Mahrez, who hasn't been so popular with the home support this season. That's going to be a great game there. Don't miss it. Right, let's move on. Next up, let's talk Southampton against Tottenham. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Right, let's move on. Southampton against Tottenham Hotspur, Saturday at 3 o'clock UK time. This one gets underway. The Saints have won three of their seven Premier League home games under Ralph Haas and Hootel. Uh, as many as they had in their previous 24 combined under Maurizio Pellegrino and Mark Hughes. For Tottenham, uh, they have lost their last two away league games. The same number they'd lost in their last 13 on the row. But of course, picked up a brilliant win last night as we record against Borussia Dortmund. 1-0 on the night, 4-0 uh, on aggregate. Quick line on Pochettino. He has been given a two-game touchline ban for his Mike Dean square-up uh, full-time against Burnley. Adrian, let's talk about mm. the game against Borussia Dortmund. Mm. Uh, I watched the second half of the game, was playing football the first Stuff. That's why my hammies are so sore today. Is it windy? Oh, it was a little bit, yeah, but I can handle it like most professionals can. Um, I've got to ask you about the full performance against Borussia Dortmund because um, first half, defensively solid, Aris makes save. Second half, chance Harry Kane, we are through him. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a really professional performance, wasn't it? They, they did gift, uh, not gift, uh, Borussia Dortmund had a lot of chances. So so that's a, a mild concern. But but no, it was good. I mean, they went about the game with a, with the right mentality, defended well as a team. They did what what you'd expect a good team to do when they were three 0 up from the first leg. So now, well played, Spurs, deservedly into the quarterfinals. And and but this game here won't be won't be that much easier. Even though Southampton and no Borussia Dortmund, I think the Hassan Hootel has got them going. And on the subject of touchline bans, is there anything more pointless than a touchline ban? Seriously. 
I, I would say this about any manager. And I Huddersfield said this, Town? No, I said this when Wenger got one. It's got to be stadium ban, hasn't mm. it? Because a touchline ban d- d- doesn't do anything. They get a great view. They get to communicate with the with dressing room. So you, I don't think there's any punishment at all there. No. None. No, I think that's a fair point. I mean, he did basically walk on the pitch and square yeah. up to a referee. And yeah, it's a ref. We'd all like to have done that too during the years, but we haven't done it because you shouldn't do it. He apologised afterwards, but he should probably have got a longer punishment for this. And I think he's absolutely right. Uh, I think. I mean, it's funny. This reminds me of I know of a stadium of a, a touchline ban. Good friend of mine, myself and Leroy Rosinha, we were, we coached Sierra Leone. He got sent off, and an armed guard. Four guards with guns took him up, <laughs> and he wasn't allowed to move. Now, now that's, that's, that's a punishment. That's yeah. a punishment. Couldn't move. Couldn't do anything. The armed guards yeah. wouldn't even let him go to the toilet. <laughs> Did you go and speak to him during the game at all? No. Nope. Pass any nope. notes? Couldn't. Couldn't. Weren't allowed weren't to. Allowed no. At all. <laughs> Not at all. Because I always all. thought with a with a with a band like this, yeah. you weren't actually allowed to speak to the to the dugout, but you they are. always do. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you, listen, this is West Africa, mate. No, there's a lot more <laughs> going on there, mate. No. <laughs> uh, all right, a bit more on Tottenham Hotspur. What do you make of last week in the North London derby as well? They had lots of the ball, Adrian. You were covering the game, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but but didn't beat Arsenal. No, I didn't think they played well at all. No. I mean, Son was off it, and and Kane. Um, didn't have a shot in open play, did he? Apart from the penalty which he took, no, they were a bit lucky. I, I thought the only positive tactically was was Sissoko. I thought he was really good, mm. powerful, and the way that he got Trippier in over and over and over again on the right hand side that was impressive. But that aside, I don't think much was was too good from Spurs' point of view, and they have to play much better, I think, to win at Southampton, who who looked much better it under Hassan Hootl. It mm. might prove to be an important point for them, though, in mm. the end. They yeah. didn't play that well. They got back into the match. They survived by the skin of their teeth mm. with that with that late penalty save and then the clearance from Vertonghen. Shouldn't have been able to do it, but obviously that's, a, that's mm. another story. But this will be a difficult game. Southampton pushed Manchester United all the way last weekend, weren't they? And now they're at home. Mm. They're fighting for their lives. They're right. It's them and Cardiff really going for that last relegation spot. So this is a tough game for Spurs. Southampton were cheated last week. I actually think Chris Smalling's grabbed Bertrand's shirt, pulled him down. I think it's nil-nil or one-nil then. Complete different different kettle of fish. They played really well. Mm. Spurs looked a little bit leggy for me, mm-hmm. where they're completely fit, but that little bit of sparkle wasn't quite there. Their touch was off sometimes. The passes yeah. weren't going they right. Did, they yeah. did. I looked at the stats on this, actually, because I have to do the analysis for, for Arsenal. And they ran... I know this doesn't mean everything, mm. but they did run... I think over three kilometres less than Arsenal. Now, Pochettino team is mm. famed for I think that's a, that the makes high a huge difference. Rate. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they normally outrun yeah. the opposition, so I do think they're flagging. I think that's a huge difference because you see that running puts you in the in people's faces, mm. puts you at the pitch of the ball. I actually also believe that he's important, Harry Kane, and he scored three goals in four games. Mm. But before he came back, they found a way of playing that was suiting them superbly well and I actually think he should have come on a sub because in those games where they've struggled I just think he's upset the rhythm of how they've played yeah you're going to bring him back mm. I just think he upset the rhythm of how they were playing yeah. before mm. uh, on Southampton you mentioned they were unlucky to lose against Manchester United last time out been really impressed with James Ward-Prowse uh, the last couple of weeks he, he was in an England squad but then he kind of faded away under Mark Hughes there was talk of him maybe leaving uh, in the summer just gone five Premier League goals now this season in midfield Looks like a, a crucial element of what Ralph Hasenhoodle was trying to do. 
Well, he needed he needed to. He needed players to step up because his strikers haven't been scoring, have they? I mean, that's been that's been an issue for Southampton for a long, long time. So now we we know he's a great set piece taker. We know he's got a wand from corners and free kicks. But but yeah, in general play, I think he's looked better and his confidence has has grown. That that, that has been the one problem. If 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 an Austin isn't scoring, who, who's going to get the goals? Or an Ings when he's fit? Um, Redmond starting to chip in a bit more. I think that was a really good tactical um, change from Hasenhutl putting Redmond up top and I think he's been liberated by the confidence that, that the manager's shown in him um, the back three as well I think has, uh, have settled quite nicely for Southampton up until Hasenhutl's arrival they had a different defence every week Southampton I think they've, they've steadied the ship there look they'll still be underdogs for this game but if Spurs are leggy and a bit flat they could come a cropper here. Now, hopefully for Southampton, Danny Ings will be fit for this weekend. He Big is in miss. contention for this one. Uh, we know that Charlie Austin isn't exactly Ralph Hasenhutl's type mm. of player because he just carries a little bit too much weight, doesn't quite He's not as mobile as, as he used to be, Charlie Austin. It's a, let's mm. just say it as it is. It's yeah. the facts, and I'm virtually sure the stats will, 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 will prove that to be the case. But where they are, Southampton, is... And it's that old one, it's the truth. They do look fitter, they do look stronger, they're lasting longer, they're in people's face, they're far more competitive. And they're because of that, when they win the ball back, they're further towards the opponent's goal, which gives which means those runs in behind are less in terms of yardage. Mm-hmm. I think they'll make it Southampton. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to them moving forward. Uh, we had Franny Benali in last weekend, and he was basically saying it's another year, I think it's three years running now, where, as you often say, Paul, about teams, they're going to mm. stay up because there are three worst teams, not because they've been good enough. Mm. Uh, big, what, few months coming up for, for Southampton, mm. big summer coming up, should they make it, which we imagine they will. Right, let's move on. Leicester against Fulham, a Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. This one gets underway. Leicester have won just one of their last eight Premier League games, uh, one draw and six defeats in in that time, only Fulham have picked up fewer points in their last eight than Leicester. So probably a good time for these two teams to face each other. Uh, David Walker, Brendan Rodgers last week. Uh, first game in charge. They were pipped late by Watford at Vicarage Row. They went three at the back. Well, they, did they play well? Did they deserve something from it? I think they played better as the game went on. And, and actually, they were unlucky to, to lose the game because I, I was sitting there watching it in the pub and... I was the only one there, <laughs> and, uh, and I, 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 I was watching it from behind behind my fingers because I, I thought Leicester were going to win. Morgan had a great chance late on. Madison was whipping balls in. They they were they were really in the ascendancy, and they just got caught out. They went to sleep a little bit, and they got caught out by a quick move from from Deeney and Gray. But I think he will take positives. I think from that first from that from the first game from the performance. Yeah, they got they got Vardy through the middle. He picked up a bit of a knock. So I don't know what his fitness is like, but that was a good goal from him. I think the the squad that he's got there will suit him and the way the style of football he wants to play. A lot of good young players, a lot of talented young footballers who want to play good football and playing Fulham, so you'd expect them to win yeah. at home. Yeah, it's perfect first home game, really, isn't it, for, for yeah. Brendan Rodgers to, to take on Fulham? You would expect that, yeah. But if you look at the way Fulham played against Chelsea recently... They, you know, I felt for them in terms of the goals they let in, but they were in the game for a lot longer than they normally are. And when they conceded, their heads didn't drop, which is what normally happens. But for Leicester, I think he is the right man because they've got... There's a couple of things going on. What was difficult for Powell was to phase out some of the older uh, group who had very strong relationships with the board. That's never a healthy thing for players to have. So phasing them out, has been difficult but he's got a lot of good young players Chilwells you know, Maguire is a decent young player Damari Gray Madison Barnes he's got some good young players and he has a fantastic reputation Brendan Rodgers 
of developing young talent. So I expect them to be a force in the next few years yeah. in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Parker said it was an audition uh, for mm-hmm. the full-time job, uh, this little run of games that he's got. Uh, last weekend, Adrian against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, he had McDonald, he had Kearney, who were crucial elements of their promotion side. He had Chambers in midfield, who scored and, uh, and played very well. So the defence mm-hmm. is always going to be an issue for, for Fulham for the rest of this season. But uh, as Paul says, they were very competitive. They played mm-hmm. quite well and probably could have got something. Yeah, they probably could, yeah. They create chances against Chelsea, but you still look at it, and, and Chelsea still, I think, twenty shots. So they're still open, aren't they? And I think if if Leicester can fashion twenty shots, they'll win the game quite comfortably. Yeah, look, Parker will make them aggressive and a more hostile opposition, I think, than they have been. But he's not a miracle worker, and, and unfortunately, the the members of the back four are just not. Premier League quality, in my opinion. I mean, the, the guys at the moment, you've got Ream and Norvite, and Odoi, who's, who's just had a horrendous season. I don't know how he's still getting picked, really. And then you've got Le Marchand, who's been awful. Um, Joe Bryan's the left back at the minute. Mm. He's more of a left winger. I just think that if Leicester and their, their talents that you talked about there, the, the Harvey Barnes, the Madisons, yep. the Vardis, if they get on the ball in the right areas, they will. They will score goals against uh, Fulham. I, I think Fulham, uh, Leicester rather, haven't haven't walloped anyone at home this year. I think the, the, the most have scored on home terms three against Huddersfield. This might be the day where they get yeah. four. Yeah, tough season, tough weekend, potentially upcoming for Fulham, who are second bottom, 17 points, 10 adrift of Southampton in 17. City and Liverpool to come their next two games. Yes, yeah, right like at home. It's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Not a great audition, really, is it? Well, I think he's, actually, easier than that. he's preparing for for life yeah. in the Championship. Yeah. yeah. Because I think sure. for Scott, the reason why he has to stay is, is, in ter- is because looking at next season, the only way they're going to keep the Kearneys and the Sessignons and the Mitrovic's and all of them is if Scott Parker stays. Yeah. If he doesn't, they're gone. Uh, right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk Crystal Palace up against Brighton. Right, the weirdest derby in football now. Crystal Palace against Brighton because they were kind of upset of each other in the 70s or something. I'm not explaining it again, all right? Go on Google if you want to know why they're rivals. It's Alan Muller, isn't I think it's because, it is, yeah. I think it's because no other team in the vicinity of the clubs care at all about these clubs. There's That's a genuine it hatred, is. though. It's weird, isn't it? Mm. It's, 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 you've got to look into it. E-goals, <laughs> seagulls, it's a whole thing. We haven't got the time. Uh, right, Crystal Palace have won just one of their last six home Premier League games. They've got the lowest percentage of home points of any team in the Premier League compared to away. Uh, Brighton looking to secure consecutive Premier League victories. What a win last weekend against Huddersfield. Great celebration of Andone's goal as well. Uh, Paul, as a former Palace man, I've got to ask you this. Uh, Sean Dyche mentioned it last week. I covered the Leicester game the week before and we spoke about it after the game. How on earth have they been down there, Crystal Palace, all season long? What on earth has gone wrong at Palace for them to have even been in relegation contention when you look at the quality they have got front to back? First of all, the players have underperformed, number one. There's, there's no dispute in that. Secondly, they've paid the price for, uh, um, I think, the, the, the way they finished the season last year was fairly strong, but it distorted really where they were because what he didn't do was he didn't go and buy a centre-forward. Uh, Benteke was struggling. You know, you could see. I, I did a lot of their games last year. Benteke was not the man. They needed a centre forward because they were too reliant on Wilfred Zaha. And what was always going to come was Zaha was going to have a bad spell or get suspended or 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 get booked or whatever or injured, mm. and they were going to struggle, which is what happened. Um, and Batshuayi is a great signing because uh, Benteke's kicked on now because that's what it does. It it, it gives it competition. Uh, Wickham 
Connor Wickham's come back. All the forwards all of a sudden have come back. So now they've got competition up front. There's no pressure on Zaha. You see he's scoring and playing well now. Andros Townsend stepped up and he was really good. Um, you know, you've got people like Juan Bissaka, who has been brilliant. Tomkins and Sacco were put together a decent partnership. So initially they underperformed. These players weren't playing to their potential. If that all makes sense. It does make sense. You're absolutely right. It's just mm. bizarre. Every time I've seen Palace, they've been incredible in games. Yeah. And yet they have been one of those teams we've talked about yeah. all year as, as a struggler. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with Batshuayi. I think sometimes it can just take one player to sort of unlock everything, right? Zaha mm. is liberated. He's not, mm. all of a sudden, he's not the only one that can do things and score goals and set up goals yeah. in the team. Yeah. And that look, he's scored. He's got six goal involvements in his last six games. Five goals, one assist. Yeah, fantastic against Leicester as well. Yeah. Absolutely no, no, there's a game. lot to be said about competition for places. I also think that, that the midfield has changed a bit. I think they've gone with two sort of more positive midfielders either side of, of Milivojevic, who's a really good holding good midfielder, player. isn't he? But Koyate will give you the uh, the legs, the engine, the power. Mm. And Maya has probably been criminally underused a little bit. I think he's got yeah. he's got that bit of guile Craft. that yeah that can that can unlock the door. So so maybe it's just taken Hodgson a, a while to find the right eleven. But I'm, you're bang on about Bashway and the competition for places made all the difference. Something amazing happened last week with Brighton as they beat Huddersfield. Something that's not happened also season long, two of the players they brought in last summer actually played really well. <laughs> Johan Baksh was very, very good and then Doné scored the goal. Mm. It's about time the summer of 2018 signings did something. Well, they cost and they enough. Did. They cost enough, didn't yeah. they? I think the last time I was on this show, I battered Chris Hewton for, for his spending because uh, he spent so much money on so much, so many players that he never wanted to pick. Mm. Uh, finally, he's got around to picking them and yeah, and Doné looked good, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's probably the right time to bring him in because Murray is a bit off it at the moment. He's flagging a touch, isn't he? It's about the hour we took him off, I think, maybe a little yeah, bit earlier. Yeah, he just looks a bit sluggish doesn't he but I'm a bit worried for Brighton I, th- I think that they're um, I know that they won that game but they're not playing especially well they were well beaten by Burnley not that long ago on home turf and, and I, I fear for them I think they're playing Palace at the wrong time here yeah. and uh, I don't fancy them at all and I actually don't fancy them to win that many of their remaining games they're, they might be lucky really that Cardiff will be that bit worse yeah. and, and with Bamber out I, I, I can't see Cardiff surviving but, but Brighton will be close they've got a big game coming up against Southampton at the end of the month they've got the FA yeah. Cup next weekend against Millwall which is an added pressure on them at the moment especially if they get through the semi-final do you want to be Playing a semi-final when you have got a relegation mm. battle. Ask you w- do, don't you? Ask Wigan. Yeah. Ask Wigan. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like that. But you ask a, ask a Wigan fan, then well, take the cup every that, single. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen, every yeah. fan would. They would. But. Strangely enough, with with Brighton, I watched them play Fulham, um, where they're two 0 up at halftime. Fulham scored four goals in a half. Dunk and uh, Duffy could not handle Mitrovic and since then because the, what the thing that, that they've built it on is being difficult to beat since then they've just shipped so many goals yeah. even at home where it was difficult they've shipped so many goals and so many what I call relegation type goals mm. where one attacker around the sea of defenders and he seems to get the ball in the net and you know the the players Chris has bought haven't really produced yeah, right. and that's why Glenn Murray's struggling because he's playing too many games uh, 41 conceded minus 11 goal difference uh, let's move on Chelsea against Walls is Sunday, five past two UK time. God, I hate all these weird kickoff times on Sunday mm-hmm. now. They, they should be the same. If you're going to do three, do 12, quarter past two, 4.30. It's always moving around. I don't like it. It annoys me. It ruins my weekend. Anyway, uh, I keep missing the first 10 minutes of games, all right? I'm busy. Anyway, you got, 
I kind of set the games to when I'm doing the lamb. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Keep messing it up. Anyway, uh, Chelsea against Wolves. Uh, let's talk Kepa Aretha Balaga. Did he serve enough punishment? Uh, and was Sari rewarded for that display last week, Paul? <laughs> uh, did he serve enough punishment? The whole thing, I'm sitting there with my wife and my wife is saying to me, what is going on? Have you ever seen something like this before in your life? Now, whatever you think, I've known goalkeepers from the goalkeepers' union are saying, you know, uh, uh, sorry was wrong. Simply put, when your number comes up, come off the pitch. Mm. That's it in a nutshell. Um, did he serve enough uh, of a punishment? No. It was great against Fulham, though, wasn't it? Was, he? He, he was. He was a great save. But no, no, he didn't. I would. I, I probably would have kept him out. But because he's one of your best players. Mm. That's where the conflict is. Yeah, it was a bit disrespectful you know? to, to Caballero. Obviously, Kepa was yeah. in the first place. He wasn't just disrespecting the badge and the manager. It was also his fellow goalkeeper union member, mm. Caballero, who stood there like a lemon on the sidelines. Credit to him, by the way, for not kicking off. Some players might have done yeah. in that situation, um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Cab yeah, Caballero played well in, in a victory yeah. against Spurs. So, for, if I'm Caballero... I'm now thinking, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point in being here? I think that's worse. I think that what he what he, he experienced at Wembley, I think him coming in and playing and playing well and then getting dropped yeah. is worse. Yeah. It, it really is. It, you know, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if I come in and I play well, I fully do expect to play the next game until I, I'm yeah. not good He's enough. He's in possession of the shirt. I, I absolutely think Sarri was too soft there and uh, yeah, Kepa has got, mm. got away with it big, big style. Uh, we've given Jorginho a lot of stick on this show this year. I think that's fair to say, Dave. He's taken his fair amount of criticism <laughs> of us and, and all of our guests. Mainly you, but yeah. Mainly me, but not <laughs> many have disagreed with the many brilliant yeah. points that I've made. However, <laughs> last week, I actually thought he was very good against Fulham and he also scored a really lovely goal, second of the season. Yeah, he did. Bit yeah. of praise for him. He's a good player. I mean, he's not signing him because he was rubbish for, for Napoli. He's got quality. The, the issue is, if you, if you man-mark him like a lot of clubs have this season, he... He does nothing. But it's and a settling in season. We've spoken about that with Riyad Mahrez, yeah. maybe. Do you think that's more what we're oh, seeing? I think, then? He's been th I think he's been thrown to the wolves a bit by Sarri as well in terms of the shape of the team. If, he, if, he, if he'd allow Kante to play a little bit closer to him, I think he'd be beyond the ball more and more influential. But the way they're set up, is he's a bit easy to, to negate, in my opinion. And Wolves have got the players, I think, to to really harass and hound Chelsea's midfield. They've been superb in that engine room, haven't they? And it was interesting last time out. He basically, uh, Nuno, rested his his first-choice midfield, didn't he? He never didn't play. Martinio didn't play. Mm. Then Donker, I think, is in his first choice. He played. Um, I think those three, they can really get in amongst the Chelsea players here and make it, make it a tough game for Chelsea. They've done it to Arsenal. They've done it to Man United. They did it to Spurs. Um, and I think they can do it to Chelsea. More points against the big six than any other of the other 14. Nine points they've picked up against those teams They're a good side. I've seen them so many times. They're a very, very good side, and they will deal with Chelsea. May I just say about, about Jorginho, it's the disease we have in this country, is we, we hang our hat on what he can't do, mm. and we don't really celebrate what he actually can do. He's a good player. Well, Man he's finally done something. No, though, Man City wanted him. The problem is... Mm. Uh, I think Sarri isn't, isn't expecting flashing lights from him. He's expecting him to... He's a continuity mm, player. Yeah. Keep the ball. Now, what he did against Fulham was play a little bit further forward. That was the difference. He played a little bit further forward, which is why he finds himself on the edge of the box, pass the ball in the net. Wolves, I think, will deal with him. They won't have to mark him, but if you put mm. players around him... I remember uh, 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 Paris Saint-Germain did it against Pogba. Just put players around him... Mm. 
that stifled him from yeah. getting well, the ball. Well, they're two up top, don't they? In, in Jimenez and Jota. Yeah. And these two, they're, they're, yeah, they'd just be pests. One of them would drop in. Yeah. And Raul Jimenez, by the way, what a good sign and he's good turned play. out to be. I mean, I, I didn't really know him before he came. His record wasn't that impressive. Yeah. If you looked at his goals record, yeah. other clubs he'd been at, yeah. uh, different, you know, in di- different leagues across the world, yeah. it wasn't someone you'd be looking at thinking, oh, God. Yeah, but it's not amazing now, it's, but, but, but it's his all-round game. He's, he's performed better than I think anyone mm. expected him to, mm. though, in terms mm. of his assists and his goals. He's been a real threat. Yeah, but he's, he's yeah. worked it well, Nuno, because what he's done is, at the back end of the championship, he brought all these players in. In the championship... And so the nucleus of the side came up to the, the Premier League and he believed in the way they played and added a little bit more quality. Yeah. And they just look a very, very good mm. side. Uh, if Wolves win this game, they go 10 points behind Chelsea. They would remain in seventh, 10 points behind the Blues in sixth. But what an achievement it would be to finish 10 points, not finish, but of course be mm. 10 points behind Chelsea mm. uh, with a finish in sight. Uh, and they are going to add, they're going to improve. And Nuno has shown us many times this year, he's a very versatile coach. The Dendonka thing, he wasn't playing there a few weeks ago. Yeah. Diego Hotter. Next Spurs manager. Playing. Next Spurs manager, I reckon. Ooh. Nuno. Yeah, if, if Poch goes. Poch might get the Wolves job if he's lucky. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, we've got to move on. Cardiff against West Ham United, Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Adrian, you mentioned it earlier on. Uh, Cardiff City losing Sol Bamba out for this season. It's an ACL he's picked up, so he's going to miss the rest of, yeah. of this campaign. They've lost their last three Premier League games. Uh, one 10 is the aggregate score. Uh, 5-1 against Watford, 3-0 against Everton, the big losses. Mm. Um, they had that, that little, little boost in form, boost in results, performance against Bournemouth and Southampton. Mm. It's really slipped away since then. It has, yeah. They've been very open, <laughs> conceded some bad goals, even with Bamber on the pitch. But he is he's hugely influential. He shouldn't always be just about one player, but he, he is he's a massive unit. He's, he's quick. He's the glue that's that's held them together for not just this year, but ever since he, he signed, really. So we don't know, and Warnock doesn't know, because he's pretty much played every week since Warnock signed him. So how will Cardiff fare without the big man? None of us really know. Um, yeah, I, I feel that they're, that they're doomed, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it's, this isn't going to be another hard game. West Ham are... Yeah, yeah, they're improving, aren't they? They've much, got much more quality now with Lanzini back in the side. You, know, you look at the bench lately mm-hmm. for West Ham. It's, Nazri it is and top, it is top class, the getting top class fit. bench. That's yeah. the thing. They're getting everyone fit. And, and now you look at their bodies and you think, wow, mm. they've got some good players. The thing about uh, Bambo is a huge loss. He's also their top goal scorer. So, <laughs> so it's not just about defending. Everything he brings, they, they'll have a puncher's chance. You know, like like most teams do. It's a one-off game, mm. but I can't see past West Ham beating nah. them and you beating them. You can catch up. West Ham, though, can't you? These are the kind of teams, ca- West Ham, not Leicester, now. Bournemouth, you could maybe now. catch them on a weird but day. I think, yeah, I think they, they, you're also well-equipped, I think, West Ham now. You've got Rice, who's a midfielder that's really a centre-half. So from those long throws, from those free kicks and corners, you've got Diop, who's massive, Balbuena, whoever's mm. playing alongside him, Ogbonna. They've got some big, un- big units there. Uh, one final question on West Ham. I think it's quite interesting that since the whole Marko Anatovic thing that went on during the January transfer window... Uh, he's been fit for a few weeks, mm. but it's Hernandez that's starting up front. What, what do you make to? What do you make to that? Well, uh, a part of it you can say is Pellegrini is a good bit of management, just to not necessarily put him in his place, but show him that you are part of a squad. You're not the focal point. For now, you are part of a squad. So as much as you've kicked off a stink, we can do without you. And I actually think he could be sold in the summer. That's just my personal mm. opinion, um, and I think that's what he's doing. 
more than anything else. It's interesting, Pellegrini's been talking this week about players we can replace. Like, it's a bit like, well, we've got we've got a director of football. If someone good wants to go, we've got someone working on replacements, which, which kind of hasn't been the way before. Anyway, uh, Huddersfield-Bournemouth. Let's move on to that. Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Huddersfield looking to win consecutive Premier League games. If Bournemouth don't manage a shot against Huddersfield, <laughs> then I think they, they should be relegated immediately, <laughs> disqualified from the league. <laughs> He's not wrong, is he? I He's mean, Bournemouth's away form is so bad. Lost yeah. nine in a row on yeah. the road. But you've got to be able to, I would say, not only have a shot. They should be beating teams like Huddersfield comfortably. They should. Uh, but they, they are, they're they missing Callum Wilson too much, aren't they, really? You shouldn't miss one player mm. as much as they have done of, of late. At the back, it's not been as good. Um, Ake Ake's not he's made a few rickets hasn't he and, and the new boys come in Mepham last weekend it was a three with Simpson but this is Huddersfield surely they can go there and go on the front foot and try and try and impose themselves if they don't and they let Huddersfield sort of take the initiative I think Huddersfield will win the game because Huddersfield are, they can rough teams up and, and Bournemouth are there there for the taking really on current form I think it depends on which Bournemouth turn up is it the Bournemouth that beat Chelsea or the Bournemouth who four or five days later Mm. get beat by Cardiff that's the problem with Bournemouth you really have no clue which one the confidence is gone though I think the confidence is shot and that Mm. is why in part um, the manager Howe Change went so radical yeah. the other way. I, I think he, he knew his players were on their knees. He thought the only way I can control this is to just play ten at the back, mm. and and which with is that, unlike him. yeah, which is very unlike yeah. him. So so I think you have to take take that as what it is, and that is that they are low at the moment. And if they um, if Huddersfield get in their faces, score early, it could be another difficult day for them. I saw a great joke from Daniel Story a few days ago, and he was saying, despite the fact Huddersfield, have, uh, Bournemouth, sorry, have been awful and they keep losing games. They're always 12th, aren't they? Whatever happens, yeah, they're always 12th. There's no way of moving them from that position for whatever reason. Uh, but they could go 13th if Crystal Palace win their game and Bournemouth lose this weekend. Uh, one final game we not mentioned, Newcastle against Everton. That's Saturday at 3 o'clock UK time. Newcastle have won their last four Premier League home great uh, home games. Uh, they weren't great against West Ham uh, last week away from home. Everton won two of their last three on the road. Gilfie Sigurdsson finds himself in good form as well. Uh, briefly on this one, got to ask you this, Adrian. Theo mm. Walcott, has he ever played 90 minutes? <laughs> I can't remember. No, it's, he's he's not he's not shining, is he really in this Everton side? I think I think that we have seen the best days of, of Theo Walcott now, unfortunately, and and yeah, there, there may be a phasing out over, over yeah. time. He's he's not delivering the goals or the or the match-winning performances that maybe uh, Everton expected of him. I thought it was a good performance from them against Liverpool. Definitely a step in the right direction. And this will be interesting because Newcastle on home turf are, are delivering. Yeah. I like Almiron. I like Rondon. So um, difficult one to call. I think. I think this might be a draw. But um, but yeah, as for Theo, he needs to buck his ideas up. Otherwise, he'll be looking at joining a club at the lower end of the Premier League, which will be the beginning of the end for him. He likes playing Newcastle though. Does he go yeah, on? Five goals and five assists against Newcastle. Yeah. They are the team that he has scored or assisted yeah. the most against. Can I play you every week? Is that <laughs> that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, right. I think I, he scored a hat trick against them, though. Yeah, yeah. So that might, might have skewed the stats. I, I look at him and I think the biggest problem he's had is the inability to learn. Mm. He can't reinvent himself. And, and the problem that you're having with him is his pace is not a factor anymore. Mm. It's not. And with Everton, what gets me about Everton is, you know, teams are reflective of their manager. I don't know what, what Marcus Silva is. I genuinely don't know mm. what to... And so Everton, I look at them and I don't know what kind of team they are. I don't know 
you know, most teams have an identity. Mm. You kind of know how Man City play. You know how Man United now play. Well, Got no clue they, how well, they play. At the start of the season, they had a bit of a bit of an identity. But they're supposed to be fast, high octane, press from press from the front, and and it's all about pace and athleticism. That is that is a Marco Silva team. You saw it at Watford briefly. Mm. Yeah. But then what happens is that, that fizzles out, and then he seems to lose the, the he, he, he loses focus at the back, and they start to see goals, and then mm. everything seems to fall Do apart. You know what? Honestly, I don't know because no. <laughs> I know you're, what you're saying makes sense, but mm. I don't know because he's normally gone halfway through the season, <laughs> yeah. so we really don't know what the second half of the season's like for him. So I look at him and I just think I'm not convinced with him because yeah. mm. you consider how much money he was given to, to you know pe- buying people like Yerry Mina is a huge mistake mm. off of a tournament where he scores a great header, but but don't do much else yeah. you know listen lads we've got to move on mm. uh, to the end of the show we're out of time uh, which means we don't need to ask you this week there's no time to ask you about Rafa Benitez's future which is nice isn't it a week a week without it which is nice <laughs> keep um, him keep him don't do it don't do it we've got no time uh, thank you Paul thank you Adrian David Walker as ever uh, we are back with another preview show next week The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 